Welcome back to the San Francisco Giants edition of the For the Fans, By the Fans podcast, where we bring you your weekly dose of all things San Francisco Giants baseball from the fans' perspective. I'm a lifelong Giants fan and your host, Benjamin Shapiro. As the Giants sit at 500 after their first two series, we welcome Chris Smith onto the pod. Chris is an avid Giants fan and former professional football player who now works in commercial real estate in Newport, California. But before we talk to Chris about Joe Panic becoming the second coming of Babe Ruth, I want to tell you about the new hat I bought from our friends at Fanatics. Fanatics is this podcast's sponsor. I am the world's slowest long-distance runner, and when I trot around Marina Green like it's the bases at AT AT&T Park, I want everyone to see that I'm a Giants fan. So I hopped onto the Fanatics mobile app, and I find myself the perfect San Francisco Giants New Era Crux Line Neo 3930 Flex Hat. It's black with orange thread with a mesh back to keep my dome the right temperature while I'm circling the pads. And if you're in the market for some new Giants gear, Fanatics has the world's largest collection of official sports apparel from the leagues, teams, and players that you love. We're lucky enough to be Fanatics affiliates, so if you're going to buy your San Francisco Giants gear, go to ftfbtf.com fanatics, and they'll kick us a couple of bucks to help for the production of this show. That said, Chris, welcome to the FTF BTF podcast. Thanks, Ben, for having me. Appreciate it. First time on a podcast, right? Of course. Yeah. First time I've listened to probably uh, 1,500 hours of podcasts, but don't don't tell my boss that. So tell me, how does this compare with suiting up for an NFL game? (laughs) Fortunately, uh, I don't think anyone will be punching me in the face repeatedly, which is pretty nice. So I guess I'll continue on with uh, doing a podcast with you as opposed to um, having people hit me in the back, give me concussions and dislocate a few different body parts. You know, we try to make this as hard hitting of a podcast as we can. And I'm a little disappointed that you think it isn't as physical as being a lineman in the NFL. That said, let's start off. Tell us about how you became a Giants fan. Well, I'm not a lifelong fan like yourself. I pretty much became a fan around the age of seven or eight. Believe it or not, my first ever team was the Giants. I grew up in Fresno and just the local coach got to name his team that and the rest of the league had to divvy up the other team names. But because of the time, the single A Giants were there. So it was the Fresno Giants back in the late 80s, not to date myself too much, but uh Going to games back then, it was pretty great to see some of the up-and-coming Giants. Will Clark was there, which was great to see him play, and pretty much why I wore number 22 for my first game ever in a Giants uniform. So you're from Fresno. Tell me about, were most of the people around you Giants fans? Are they split Giants A's? What are the territorial rights out in Fresno? Well, I had grew up there and then uh, moved out of there in 1989, but 87 and 88 was kind of when I came of age in terms of knowing what's going on pretty much outside of your home. So I was playing baseball and actually starting to watch it on television, which was pretty good timing being a you know, lifelong Giants fan and aficionado of the team. You'll know how bad they were in 1986. So it's a good thing I wasn't born a year early because starting off on a bad foot of a hundred loss season probably wouldn't have been the best thing. So starting to become a fan in 87 when they actually made the playoffs was probably a pretty good thing. But in that area was all Giants having the single A team there made it pretty beneficial for them to kind of get a good foothold over that territory. 
So as a kid, you're a Giants fan, Will Clark era, you get through the 80s. Eventually, you become a pretty well-known athlete. You went to UC Davis. Did you follow the Giants as you were growing up? Yeah, which was pretty good was um, when we moved to Lodi, which is a little closer to San Francisco. You had to see the Giants still on, on the television. And the year we moved there was 1989 when the earthquake happened. And even though I was about an hour and a half away, we actually could feel the earthquake at our house. Um, I was watching the game, sitting on my bed doing homework, and the fan in my room started shaking, which is kind of hard to believe being so far away from San Francisco. And actually feeling the effects at your own house is kind of a pretty trippy experience. Uh, I was in Burlingame, California, and let me tell you, trippy is the exact way to describe it. I think everybody fell over. It was a pretty strong earthquake. So tell us about UC Davis. Yeah, so following the team quite a bit, um, you know, when we moved to the area, it was great to be able to go into the city and freeze your ass off at Candlestick Park. It was pretty brutal. But uh, then eventually, when I finally got to college at UC Davis, they opened up the new park, uh, ventured into San Francisco every now and then. It's not the closest place from Davis. You kind of got to slog it down to 80 and then deal with all the East Bay traffic. So Made a few trips, but having that new park there definitely enticed me to go. And then Bonds was doing his thing, and he's my favorite baseball player. Being at college and having him be the best player you've probably ever seen keeps you putting your homework and studying for tests on the side till the game's over at least. So you're a big Giants fan. You're a big Barry Bonds fan. Obviously, the team has changed a lot since the Bonds era, but the offseason moves were primarily around bringing power back to the lineup. How do you feel about the offseason moves bringing in McCutcheon and Longoria to the lineup this year? Well, I think coming off the terrible season they had, and it's almost a season and a half after that bad second half slide in 2016, that pretty much continued on through 2017. There's pretty much only one way to go was up. So just being able to do just a few moves that they did definitely strengthened the team. That said, I'm pretty pleased having Longoria in the lineup. McCutcheon, you know, he's in a contract year, so he definitely has motivation. Austin Jackson pickup wasn't all that thrilled with, but I would like to see uh, Duger in there instead. And then obviously my favorite acquisition in the offseason is without a doubt, it's bringing back Gregor Blanco. Of course, of course. Tell me why you have such a deep affinity for Gregor Blanco. It amazes me how that guy has been able to keep a job in Major League Baseball for as long as he's had. I'm not a big stats guy to know everything, what he's doing, but I can't imagine that he's hit over 250 and had double-digit home runs total in the last, I'd say, five seasons, easily. Yeah, I think I would have liked to have seen Duggar, but, you know, they still have Gorkis on the lineup to provide some <laughs> pop like yesterday. You got to balance out the, the budget somehow, and it's guys like that that get on rosters. And I don't know if Duggar's down just because of Major League service time. I kind of like what the Cubs did with Chris Bryant, not to say he's going to be the stud that Chris Bryant is, but I don't know if it was done in part because of that. But I believe uh, Duggar hits a home run his first at bat in the minors. So he obviously is trying to tell him something. He's doing his best Joe Panic impression. <laughs> three home runs, three RBIs. Well, typical Giants, you know, solo home runs. That's our calling card. Or wild pitch runs. Yeah, <laughs> Of course. So tell me, uh, we're two series in. We have the split against the Dodgers and the split against the Mariners. What are some of your impressions having watched the first couple of games of the season? Well, being down in SoCal, I'm usually blacked out when the Dodgers and Giants are playing. But fortunately, 
those games were aired down here, so I was able to enjoy them. When you say blacked out, do you mean they're not on TV or you're incoherent? <laughs> it's because of the cable agreement that they have. Little of column A, little of column B, maybe? <laughs> I'm just busting your balls, man. <laughs> I know. I actually, I didn't mind it have them being blacked out last season. I could live with that because I don't like to see the Dodgers crush the Giants like they did. So I guess it's always not a bad thing to have them blacked out. But yeah, this season watching the games, them beating... Kershaw was pretty sweet, and it didn't come off a Brett Pill home run. So I guess there's somebody else the Giants found that could beat him for once. (laughs) We still only scored one run against him, and I think he went seven innings, but that's kind of the only way to beat Kershaw these days, mostly if you're the Giants. He was on the ropes all that game, so I hear the talk radio down here talking about how great Kershaw was, and he only gave up one run, and they're saying it was a fluke home run, and I kind of look at it like, well, well, they had their chances to score early, so Kershaw was kind of lucky to not give up the runs that he did. So he's probably lucky to only give up one run, in my opinion. Hey, a win's a win, and I've never heard of any sort of fluke home run ever. Well, I mean, these guys are in the major leagues for a reason. The thing cleared the fence by 20 feet. Well, since you're having me a Dodgers, my dad is a Dodgers fan. And fortunately, growing up, he never imposed that him being a Dodgers fan was going to make his son a Dodgers fan, which... Makes me think about me having my own son. I actually have two now, but one's three and one's three months. And I was thinking about, you know, am I going to make him a Giants fan? It's going to be an Angel fan. God forbid he be a Dodger fan. But it's interesting to see that people who kind of force their kids to be fans of their own team, I think it's mainly tied into people that have never had success from their teams growing up. Red Sox fans, for as long as they had, never had a World Series. So the dads are saying, well, I've been suffering for so long. Now my kids are going to suffer. They're going to be Red Sox fans just with me. And now I think once you have a team that wins during your prime, you know, when you're in your teens or 20s or 30s, to have witnessed a couple of championships yourself, you're not so worried about having your kids be them. They could, you know, root for whatever team they want. And you can kind of enjoy your own team. You'll let them have whoever they want. At least you can kind of hang your hat on the the World Series that you've witnessed. I don't know what you think about that. So are you saying that Roman can sport an angel hat and you have no thoughts or repercussions for him? I don't care. I have my Giants and they, like I said, they won on my watch. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your thoughts from the beginning of this season. Well, it was pretty sweet. At least the Giants splitting uh, two in L.A., And then coming home to see them face Seattle interleague so early on just still seems weird to me. That's happening this quick and long storied rivalry between the Mariners and the Giants goes back for ages. But uh, love seeing Brian Wilson throughout the first pitch. Brian Wilson, local San Francisco native. And when you lived in San Francisco, he was in the marina and you were in the marina. Did you guys ever run into each other? Well, I ran into him a handful of times. The first time I met him, I was working out in the 24-hour fitness that used to be next to the Marina Safeway, or as the locals call it, the Dateway. And this gym is probably smaller than most typical hotel gyms. It's a weekday, and I'm working out, and I see this guy come in. He's wearing a hooded sweatshirt with a cutoff sleeves, hat on, just above the eyes, hood on over that, music blasting, and his iPod. He's benching... Bench press, and I'd say maybe three, 350 pounds. Oof. There's no one else in this gym. So I know at some point he's going to ask me for a spot, which was great. And, you know, he just looks at me and he's like, hey, bro, can you go over here and spot me? So <laughs> how many sets did he get up? 
Oh, he did at least three to four and I didn't help him on any, any one of them. So helped him do that. And then later on that night, saw him close out a game. I think it was against the, the Rockies. It was kind of cool seeing him do that. So you've been a professional athlete before, and it's interesting to me, he was working out the same day as the game. Is that something that's usual? Like before you're playing a football game, are you out in the gym pumping some iron? Or are you sort of resting up and getting ready? Most guys in the football team there, I mean, you have your game on Sunday and usually you're off on Monday and Tuesday. The lower level players like myself would still have to go in on those days and work out. But most of the top athletes on the team, those guys are getting after it on Fridays for sure. I mean, Curtis Martin, uh, future Hall of Famer, was a teammate of mine. And that guy was still banging out four sets of 10 of 500-pound squats on Fridays. So it goes to show you that football, you got to keep it up. But you can't get after it too much. Uh, a day before a game and a day after, you're pretty spent. So you got to take it easy. But if you're a closer like Wilson was, you don't even know if you're even going to play that night. So you might as well get some work in just in case. You know, you're going to come in at 9.30 at night. I think you can get a couple uh, 350-pound bench press reps in there. Everything I've heard about him was that he was a workout fiend. It was interesting seeing him, A, without the beard on opening day, but also, you know, he didn't look like the chiseled piece of rock that he was when he was on the mound for the Giants. Well, I think uh, when you're getting paid $10 a year, that's some motivation. and, And when you're not, you can kick back a little bit. Now he's just a part owner of a bowling alley across the street from the stadium. (laughs) lucky strike that's part owned by brian wilson from the start or from recently no from the start wow yeah so he's still doing okay tell me how you feel about him being back on the mound for the giants were you happy or did you have some animosity towards wilson i've never had any animosity towards him i mean coming from the professional player background that i have is it's a business out there i mean if the team you're on doesn't want you and someone else wants to pay you more more power to you And the fans just have to understand that it is a business and you got to look out for yourself and you don't know how long you're going to be playing for. And the careers these guys are doing, a lot of these guys are in their mid-20s or 30s. I mean, they're not going to find another job that's going to pay this much at all for the rest of their life. So they're not developing uh, real world skills and training that other people attain by their 30s. They've already laid the groundwork from their 20s. It's kind of the reverse for these professional athletes. So I have no problems with them at all. And I definitely love seeing him out there. I mean, that brings back all the great 2010 memories. And that's kind of the team that I think most Giants fans will talk about, even though they obviously got the two other ones after that. I mean, they could thank, uh, obviously, Bumgarner for one of those, but a full team championship World Series. I mean, that was 2010. So you were in the city living in the marina for all three championships. It sounds like 2010 was your favorite. Tell me about how you think of the difference between the three championship teams. 2010 still amazing that starting outfield of Mark DeRosa, John Balker, and Aaron Rowan was your opening day, opening series outfield. And then to end it the way they did kind of gives false hope for future years because you say, oh, well, we can roll that lineup out and we can still win a World Series. So is it always going to work like that? Probably never. It's just funny how the teams kind of uh, build upon each other. And obviously 2012 was a great year as well. And then 14, having the bum garner dominance that it was, you know, they almost rode that into 16 as well. I mean, they could have won a couple of those games against the Cubs. They definitely should have won. And, and who knows what could have happened. 
let's be honest, they were a bullpen arm away from sending that to Johnny Cueto in the seventh game of the series. That's not a given if you're the Cubs. That was a great season by Cueto, and he had one hit the... uh, was it one hit? I think it was one, one run. He gave up that one run game one that they lost. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, there may be one bullpen arm less, but there obviously were maybe one bat less from scoring some runs in that game that they could have won. So that's just kind of playoff baseball. It's It was painful to see your team lose 1-0 with the effort that Cueto had and then to not be able to give him the ball in game five to take it. I mean, I think even Joe Madden mentioned that he was glad that he didn't have to face him. So tell me about your feelings for the team this year. How do you think they're going to do? I mean, I'm kind of a realist when it comes to my own team. I'm not a fan thinking it's going to be the World Series every year or nothing. I mean, obviously, I want them to win, but I temper my expectations. I think it's easier to do that after they've won a few. To know at least you got a few of those in your back pocket to not get overly excited. But I was kind of planning on a 80-win season, 80, 81, 82, somewhere around there which being three and three thus far, they're kind of on track for that, although there's a long way to go, but that's kind of my thoughts. So what do you think is more likely? Joe Panic leads the Giants in slugging percentage, currently with an 810 slugging percentage. Joe Panic leads the team in home run, or Pablo Sandoval leads the team in RBIs? <laughs> I don't think Sandoval gets more than 45 RBIs all season. There's no way. Barring injuries. So, all right. I mean, he's playing limited time to begin. I think he only has six at-bats in six games. Four RBIs leads the team. <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty easy to do after them always scoring two runs in the first two games and shutouts in the other ones. And Tell me, who do you think has a better probability? Is Johnny Cueto going to have an ERA that goes above 0.7? Is he going to go undefeated the entire year? Or is Tony Watson going to strike out every single batter he faces? I love the Watson pickup. I can't believe that they didn't fleece the Pirates like they've done with a few other trades a few years ago. I mean, I feel like he was just a giant waiting to happen. Great Giants Pirates trades. There's the Barry Bonds, although that was a free agent signing. Jason Schmidt. Schmidt. Freddie Sanchez. Yeah, Freddie Sanchez. Vogelsong was from the Pirates, but that wasn't a trade. Who else? I think Vogelsong was traded for Schmidt. That's right. And then he came back after a stop in Japan. Maybe... uh, who was the guy that got hit in the head and knocked out of for, for the season? Joe Martinez, part of the uh, the Freddie Sanchez trade. Joe Martinez. I don't even remember him. He got a World Series ring. Who the hell was? Oh, that's right. The pitcher, Joe Martinez. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's just a deep pull for you. I thought you said you were a Giants fan. You're going in the way back machine, man. <laughs> we'll go into 30 plus games a year. You get to learn all the players like I used to do. I'm too busy making Giants podcasts to go to the game. <laughs> I have tickets for the Giants-Angels series down here, which is uh, about 25 minutes from my house, and that's coming up on uh, 20th, 21st, and 22nd. So bought tickets for all three games and been putting in a husband time to try and make as much uh, goodwill as I can in order to slip away and go to those games. So pretty much looking forward to that. So tell me about life as a Giants fan in Southern California. Are people aggressive? Are you, you sporting your Giants gear? Or are you hiding it in the back of the closet? <laughs> I wear my giant stuff as much as possible. Doesn't hurt that you're 6'5 and 220-some pounds of muscle. <laughs> Usually I, I just go shirtless when I'm at the beach, so I can't wear any giant stuff. I, although I need to get some Giants board shorts. I think I need to put that on, on my Father's Day. Uh, maybe Fanatics make some of those. 
ftfbtf.com slash fanatics, buddy. Yeah, I'll definitely go online and see if they have that. If not, that would be my uh, suggestion. Yeah, but down here, it's kind of brutal listening to uh, Charlie Steiner on the radio doing uh, Dodger games. I didn't mind Vince Scully at all, but Steiner's pretty brutal. And listening to the Angel games, it's just not that exciting. I mean, I'm kind of a National League guy, uh, true and true. So listening to uh, American League Baseball just doesn't sound right. I mean, you never know where you're at in the lineup. I think that's just the biggest thing is there's a DH and sometimes he gets eighth, first, second. And I'm not a huge fan of American League Baseball. It's confusing to me, too. So you follow National League Baseball, obviously the closest. Tell me about who you think is going to win each of the three divisions. Let's start off with the NL West. Who's taking it home? Sadly, I have to say the Dodgers. It pains me to say it, but just having the resources that they do, when you got such a deep farm system like they do, they they can trade for ready-made Major League talent, and they they got the payroll to sign the big-name guys. And then uh, the Central, I mean, I think you got to go with the Brewers. I think they went hard at a few of the top free agent pitchers that are out there. So they're showing a willingness to want to win. I think they tanked for so long and banked up so much money. So Brewers over the Cubs. Yes, I think the Cubs are down. I'm not a huge Cubs fan. It's interesting how the Cubs were, you know, what looked like a, a dynasty waiting to happen when they won the World Series two years ago. The team is relatively the same. You're basically trading Arietta for you, Darvish, and people seem to be very down on the Cubs. They're a playoff team two years in a row. I think the Cubs are going to be good this year. I think they'll be competitive. And again, as a team that you know has resources and can stay competitive, but I just don't think those some of those guys are going to be proven superstars like a lot of people kind of think they are. I think Rizzo is... He may be due for a down year, and I think Brian's good, but I don't think he's great. And then kind of the rest of the team kind of is what it is. So I guess the East, uh, I was pretty bullish on the Phillies early on before the year started. You're stumbling out of the gate at two and four right now. <laughs> I thought maybe Kapler would, uh, could be an answer for a new wave of how to do things, and he's pulling his great pitchers after 60 something pitches and them losing the games and the pitching is not their problem their problem is that they've scored 19 runs so far this season which is in the national league third worst the only other teams that are behind that are the san francisco giants with 16 and the cincinnati reds with 13 so they need to put the bat on the ball i mean they went out and they got uh santana they spent money for him and Arietta. Arietta obviously hits a few home runs with that short left field. He could be good for a few. But yeah, I mean, obviously the Nationals, I think they're the kind of the class of the NL East. So I expect them to win that division for sure. I'm not like going out on a limb by saying that by any means. But And who's coming out of the National League? I think it's the Nationals year. They got rid of Dusty, you know, burning all the pitchers and as much as he could. I hate to say it, but yeah, I think they finally get over the hump without him. Although I love Dusty Baker. You know, as much as I'd love to see the Giants in the playoffs, I'm not sure it's in the card this year, mostly with Bumgarner's injury. And if anybody other than the Dodgers comes out of the National League, I'm a happy Giants fan. That's basically how I'm guarding this year's success is in terms of entertainment, potential playoff runs, and the Dodgers not winning the World Series. Yeah, having the Dodgers being the World Series last year and living down here, it was pretty miserable. I mean, they were hanging the banner after they swept the first series that they won. And I just kept telling everybody, I'm like, it's I've gone through this before, know what it takes to win. And these playoffs are a long run. And the hope of being a non-Dodger fan in here is for them to either get swept in the World Series so they get embarrassed 
or they go to game seven like they did and lose game six and seven at home and make the fans spend a ton of money just to see their team lose. So I think that was a pretty good consolation being a Giants fan down here to see that happen. It all worked out in the end. And uh, thanks to our friends in Orange from Texas. Um, (laughs) Let me just open up the mic and just ask you, are there any other funny stories that related to the Giants that you want to tell us? Well, it's kind of interesting that you watch your team on television so much, but when you're living in the same city as the team and the players are in, even coaches, you uh, get to have some interesting run-ins. And when you're in your late 20s and early 30s, like I was living there, and when you're a single guy, you're going to go out in the town and have plenty of fun. And those guys are kind of the same boat as you. So you do get to run into some of those guys. And uh, one of my funny stories was in 2012, running into uh, George Contos and uh, Andre Ethier at the Tipsy Pig off of uh, Chestnut Street. And both players were um, very inebriated. I knew someone that was one of their team personnel and kind of introduced me to them. And so those were both pretty cool guys and bought me some drinks. Uh, As they kept getting warmed up as the night went on, Ethier called out Contos about how terrible the Giants were and they weren't doing very well that season. I think at the time it was like in June, I want to say the Giants were like eight or nine games out of first place. So it was, it was look, not looking very good. And Contos being a rookie and they had just traded for him. I think they traded uh, Chris Stewart for him. So they gave up Stewart's two home runs a year in a backup catcher position. So it was a tough loss. Anyway, Contos bet Ethier a thousand bucks that the Giants would win the division. And I thought that was pretty ballsy of him and pretty much made me a huge fan of his right then and there to, you know, be a rookie and kind of put his money where his mouth is. And, you know, not to mention that he bought me maybe four or five drinks, uh, which also stayed in my good graces. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, I have run into George Contos at the Tipsy Pig and it was with brunch with my in-laws. And I was explaining to my mother-in-law that he was a San Francisco giant. And of course, she ran over and started taking pictures with him and what I believe is his wife or his fiance. So I think George probably spent a fair amount of time at the Tipsy Pig, whether it's during the day or or at night. And I'm glad to see that we cleaned up and won the division that year. If you're going to go fishing, I mean, you don't go to the local pool. I mean, you're going to go where the bites are, you know? Yep, yep. And in the immortal words of Pat the Bat Burl, you know, he's a baseball player. He can separate one from the pack whenever he wants to. Well, if you want good stories, I have another one with Burl hitting on my wife while he was rehabbing in Arizona. She was my uh, fiance at the time, but Burl was in Arizona and she was visiting one of her friends there. And he sent her a few drinks to uh, her table and went over there and tried to try to work his game. And that didn't happen very well. But what's funny about him is I think everyone has had a significant other get hit on by him when he was living in the city in San Francisco at some point. It's a rite of passage for every blonde girl in San Francisco to say, I've been hit on by Pat the Bat. (laughs) Well, my wife was also hit on by uh, Bruce Bochy, so covering the full end of the spectrum. (laughs) You got to go into more detail with that one. Oh, this is uh, 2013. The Giants were obviously really terrible that year. And uh, I'm at another bar and my wife texts me and says, Bryce Bochy is here right now. And I'm like, look at my text. I'm like, you know, I hadn't had that many drinks at that point. I'm thinking, Bryce Bochy. I'm like, I know he has a son, but I think his son's name's Brett, not Bryce. So you know, I text her back and I say, do you mean Bruce? And she says, yes. You know, he's hitting on me and a bunch of my friends. This is a late Saturday night at Balboa. So being a place where you're going to have... Um, 
the older crowd. The cougar den. Yeah, he was there hitting on her. So uh, me and my friends, we, we thought we'd go over there and see what was going on and came over. It was probably about 1 a.m. at that point. And she introduces me to him just saying, oh, Bruce, this is my husband, Chris. He's a huge Giants fan. And the first words uh, he said to me, and I really respect him for this, was saying, I'm so sorry about this season. <laughs> so he gave me an apology right there. I wasn't going to call him out because they just had won two World Series. But for him to give me a formal apology was pretty great. And then uh, what's funny is the next day we were watching the game, and I don't think he left the dugout once because he probably had a massive hangover that day. Well, you know, he's got a little bit of a bum ticker, so hopefully he's taking it easy these days. But uh, Well, when you're drinking uh, seven or eight bourbons at midnight and 1 a.m., that probably doesn't contribute too much. Paige is a pretty girl. You can't blame him. (laughs) Um, Any last words before we let you go? I think that's it. I uh, definitely will be an interesting experience coming up going to the Angels Giants. So I'll be decked out in all my Giants gear in Orange County here in about two weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, maybe we can uh, circle back up after that and see how that went. All right. Do some scouting of the American League teams. I know you love them. And let's hop back on the pod sometime soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks again. Okay, that's a wrap for today's show. Our plan is to do this every week, so if you want more Giants baseball in your podcast feed, click that subscribe button. Also, since we're just getting started out, we'd love for you to give us a rating in the Apple iTunes store or send us any questions to forthefansbythefans.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram under FTFBTF. Uh, thanks to our friend at Fanatics. If you're going to buy your Giants gear, head to ftfbtf.com slash fanatics, and they'll kick us a couple bucks to help us produce this show. Thanks again to our friend Chris Smith for joining us. And until next time, swing and a miss. And that's it. Uh-huh.